Hey everyone, welcome to episode 41 of the Inside Out podcast. I am joined this week by our family life pastor, Jordan Paris. Jordan, how's it going? It's going good, man. It's We're, going good. We are here. We, we shared a moment on Easter Sunday, kind of after all the dust had settled. We're like, we did it. We made it through Amen. Easter Sunday. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was a fun day. It was so great to be together. It, it was our... It was our largest Sunday in building um, since pre-COVID. So mm-hmm. it was it was really, really exciting to see faces that we see regularly, people we haven't seen in a long time, a lot of, a lot of new people mm-hmm. uh, visiting and uh, being our, our guests for the first time. So that was great. That was great. And especially Elijah did awesome. He did well. He did a great job. That kid, like he will crack you up. He will inspire you. He might make you cry. He's kind of a dynamo. He's the Swiss Army knife. Yeah, yeah. It brought me back to when he was. He recorded those videos during Christmas, and we were upstairs, and all the other kids. I asked, and I, I mean, my own kids, a ton of their kids. They were awesome. They did a great job, but I had to drag answers out of them and just do everything short of begging them. Please, will you answer this question mm-hmm. for me? Elijah, I just I would ask him this question. He would just go off, and so his content for that video series that we did was about seven minutes. The rest of the kids, it was about two and a half minutes, if we're being generous. So uh, he did a great job on Sunday, just like so composed, and it was awesome. He's it was a pretty awesome. smart kid too. He's pretty sharp. Yeah. Pretty sharp. When we go over the Hart's house, he has his own board games that he makes, and we play them, and they're actually pretty impressive. A Hundred Stones, that's one of the games. and That he made it's, up? It's pretty complex. It's got cards, little characters. I'm just saying. Okay. Okay, I'm going to keep an eye out for that game next time I'm over there. Yeah, check your Amazon, too. It might be there in the future. <laughs> it's a good possibility. Here's what I want to do since you are on the podcast and – I gotta make the rules so I can do whatever I want. I'm ready for so it. So I'm gonna do something that that irritates you. You're gonna chew food really loud. No, no. Are you gonna not crack your those. boiled eggs in the office so I, it smells? I won't do that. I won't okay. do that. I'm trying to keep that smell to a minimum. I'm Appreciate really sorry that. about it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to date you by referencing movies that came out when you were really young. Man, I love when people reference my age and how young yep. I am. Yep, that's one of my favorites. If you want to. I don't want to please no one do this but um, don't tell Jordan you're so young okay no one's going to say that because you carry yourself very well for being 26 years old are you 26? yeah Okay. well you're about to date me so we'll find out so um, because Jordan is 26 he's born in 1993 4 4 and so there's a lot of movies that came out in the 90s that Jordan just has not seen. It's You're assuming that. I know this to be true. I don't really ever bring it up because I know when we're in conversation. I've been in conversations with Jordan where someone will reference a pop culture reference from any era, really, and they'll look at Jordan and be like, oh, but you don't know what that is, or... They do this assume a lot, is. yeah. Most of the time so, they're correct, though. And I see your face, and it's like I just feel your pain. And so I'm not a. 
you know, we're not afraid to say things in jest back and forth, but there's certain things I know I'm like, nope, I'm not, not going to go there. But you're going to go there on the podcast. But I'm going to go there on the podcast. Okay. Okay. But I'm, I'm not going to, this is not me, this is not me mocking you. I would never do that. This is, I'm just general knowledge finding out, do you know what this is? So I'm going to do this. You know what a blockbuster movie is? But didn't you say you're doing that to age me? So you're not just doing it to genuinely ask? Anyway, you can keep going. This is good-hearted. I know what a a general blockbuster movie is. Um, So not like blockbuster video where you used to go. I know what you're talking about. But like a big-time movie. A big production. I got you. So these are big-time movies that came out in the 90s. I'm going to read like a real short synopsis of the plot, and I'm going to see if you can guess the movie. Okay, so if you're listening right now, you can keep score at home. You can also try to guess yourself. Did you write these summaries, or are you finding that on the internet? No, every single one I went to IMDb, and it was just the real quick short. So I've not tried to slant these in any way. These are actual, legit movies. Okay, number one. In a future where the polar ice caps have melted and Earth is almost entirely submerged, a mutated mariner fights starvation and outlaw smokers and reluctantly (laughs) helps a woman and a young girl try to find dry land. What movie is that? Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Trek. Star Tre- Star Wars or Star Trek? Which one? Star Trek. I know it's not that, but... Okay. It's uh, actually Waterworld featuring Kevin Costner. Oh, I have seen that. Isn't that where the whole world floods and then they have to... Like, dirt is super valuable, right? It's where the world is made water. of water. Yes. Because it flooded, though. Yep. Like I just read. Okay. <laughs> well, you, you're, you're 0 for 1, but you've heard of the movie, so that's a plus. Okay. Uh, to be fair, I don't even think I've ever seen the whole thing of Waterworld. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I think that came out the year you were born. Okay. Next one. Ready? Yep. Following the Normandy... Sorry. <clears throat> I need to get into my voice here. Following the Normandy landings, a group of U.S. soldiers go behind enemy lines to retrieve a paratrooper whose brothers have been killed in action. Oh, that's uh, behind enemy lines. No, that's not that one. That's with Gene Hackman. This one is... That's that one where they save the one guy, right? Saving Private Ryan? Is that it? Final answer. Saving Private Ryan. Is that it? I like that. That's the answer. (laughs) You know that blockbuster 90s hit, Saving That One Guy. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that one. Good good work. So I'm one for two. You one for two? You're almost like one and a half for two. You're doing well. Appreciate that. Okay, next one. I'm going to ditch my intense... uh, trailer guy voice okay i'll just i'm gonna read this in a normal voice that was actually helping but all right in the summer of 1962 a new kid in town is taken under the wing of a young baseball prodigy and his rowdy team resulting in many adventures that's it Mm -hmm. this i threw this one in there because this movie actually came out 28 years ago today can you give me like an actor that's a part of that i've seen angels in the outfield but i don't know that's my final answer. Angels in the outfield. Angels in the outfield. I know no, that's not close because it. it's a baseball. Is movie. it rookie? Rookie? Final answer? No. Is it? I don't know any other baseball. When movies. you say final answer, you can't give additional <laughs> answers. Final answers. The Sandlot. Oh, the that's the Sandlot. I've Sandlot. Seen that. Of course. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay. You're one for three. Forever. One for three. One. Okay. Here's the next one. An insurance salesman discovers his whole life is actually a reality TV show. Oh, this is a Truman Show with Jim Carrey. That's easy. 
That's impressive. Yeah, I like that one. I'm okay. I'm two for four. Three for four. I technically know the sandlot. You're two for four. Yeah. You're two for four. Okay. Here we go. A 17-year-old aristocrat falls in love with a kind but poor artist aboard a luxurious, ill-fated boat. The Titanic. Yes, you got it. Three for five. That's impressive. Your knowledge of 90s movies has grown exponentially since... But again, I already knew the Sandlot. I just... That, that description was not good. I'm... I, I did not dog in you. Like, you were aware of all these movies. Excellent work. That. Excellent work. This is where I will enter uh, an applause track in post-production. Can I give you a summary real quick? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is... He... He lived his life. He was... Beaten. And crucified. And... Yeah, put on a cross. What movie is that? Space Jam. You're very close. You're very close. We were looking for Passion of the Christ, but... So, Jordan, I wanted to take this opportunity while you are on uh, the show with me today to kind of talk about some of the things that have been happening in CSM. And specifically, I know you have been preaching through the book of Job, which is really, I mean, it's it's an intimidating book to read through, let alone preach through for many of us. And so this will be a great chance for, for us, for those of us who aren't regularly involved that with CSM or, or, or around it to kind of hear what's been happening there. And then you can give us some insights on some of the things that God has been teaching you through your study of the book of Job. So, so my first question for you is this. When most people think of youth ministry, they don't think of sermon series through the book of Job, right? That's not two things that people will often say, Man, those two things don't really go hand in hand. But obviously, we preach through the Bible as a church here. So besides that, why did you select the book of Job to take teenagers through? Well, I think one of the big things was just what was going on in our world with COVID and a lot of people struggling with different things, and there's just a lot of suffering going on in the world. So I figured Job was a very universal book in terms of approaching this idea of suffering and God's sovereignty and his goodness amidst all that. So I just figured just with a lot of the external things going on, it was a a timely book for that. And we had also gone through some New Testament books, so I figured it's good to go in the Old Testament as well. Right, right. Um, And so you have a pretty even spread group here as far as middle school and high schoolers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What has the response been to this series so far? Have you been getting a lot of like dazed and confused looks? Have kids been engaged? What have you heard? <laughs> well, there's certain Wednesdays I'm, I preach and I'm like, I hope people got it. I don't know. You know? <laughs> I think that's anyone who's preached anywhere. Ever. For sure. Uh, but during the sermons, they're very, they seem very engaged. We have sermon guides every week like we do on Sundays and they always fill out notes. Um, I've had a few times where some middle school students have been sick and they usually will have a parent or themselves text me and they say, hey, please save a sermon guide for me. I mm-hmm. want to make sure I get the notes for that. So it shows they're hungry for it and 
Um, so I, I feel like they're really responsive. We just went through Esther before Job, and we got great response at the very end. People really liking that. So yeah, I'm hoping it's the same for Job. Yeah, when I I um, was a was a a speaker on a Wednesday night, and I came and I, to say I was surprised is not the right word for it because you have spent the last three years um, helping to create a desire in in the lives of these students to get to know the Word of God. And so um, I had kids come up and show me their, their sermon notes from when you went through the book of Esther and um, when, you know, just starting in the book of Job. And so it's been really, really incredible to see is these kids who are 13, 14, 15 years old really dig into their Bible and, and value what they're hearing on a weekly basis and not just think about it periodically, but have their notes compiled and collected and, and referring back to them and going over them is something really cool to see. So as you've been going through Job, uh, kind of like we said earlier, it's, it's, it's not the most uncomplicated book in, in our Bible. That was a really complicated way to say that. That really was. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do my best. What's been the biggest challenge teaching through that book so far? You're through chapter 21 at this point? Yeah, just finished chapter 21 this last Wednesday. You're saying the biggest challenge in preaching that? Yeah. Oh, man, there's so many. Um, I would say, man, there's a lot. I, just the text breakdown, there's so much content. I don't know what not to say because I feel like, I feel like every sermon could probably be two or three hours. And I got to cut out a lot because I'm taking certain, I take usually the conversations between him and his friends. And I mean, that could be a three or four chapter conversation. And so that's tough. And just interpreting it correctly, just hermeneutics, you have the friends say, they say a lot of things that are true and a lot of things that aren't true. And so it's kind of filtering that out and what's true, what's not. Are they making true statements about God? Are they drawing the wrong conclusions about Job? And so I'd say time frame for sure, keeping it on a, on a shorter, um, time frame and then also just correctly understanding the text but there's like a ton of challenges that I've faced it's a tough book yeah just rewind a little bit and give give us a refresher in case there are people who are listening that aren't as familiar with the structure of the book of Job give us kind of a real quick what is the structure of the book you mentioned conversation with friends yeah so the first couple chapters you kind of get an introduction to Job and then you get this um this this being that comes before God and um, really just wants to afflict Job, and he does. God gives him permission to, and um, we see Job's suffering and all that. So we get the background and then kind of Job's situation the first couple chapters. And then chapter three is probably the darkest chapter in the whole book, easily, uh, where he just goes into a deep lament. And then after that, uh, he has three friends that they, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. I always wonder why they have such weird names, but that's cool. Um and they just have conversations. There's three cycles of speeches, and they go back and forth, and they're they're constantly trying to say, Job, this is why you're suffering. It's because you've sinned, and you're wicked, and et cetera, et cetera. But we already know he's he's a good, godly man in chapter one and two. And so those continue. Another character named Elihu comes at the end um, and speaks right before God speaks to Job, and then God speaks at the very end. Job repents in dust and ashes, and he the mediator that he longed for throughout the book, he actually becomes that mediator for his friends uh, where they bring sacrifices to him. He prays and then God blesses him abundantly. So yeah, hopefully that wasn't too confusing. 
No, that was good. That was the, the structure of the whole book. Excellent. You did that in like <laughs> two minutes. I, I mean, there's a lot. You're, I could, you're you used know. to going fast through the book of Job. So. There's a lot. There's in a your lot. study so far, as you've... So maybe this has come from your study time. Maybe this has come from d- delivering your sermons on a weekly basis. Maybe it's something that you've heard back from your students. What's been your biggest takeaway so far, or even your biggest takeaways from this series Mm. as you've been in it since the beginning of 2021? Yeah, very beginning of this year. Yeah, probably my biggest takeaway is just Job's response to his pain in chapter one. He loses everything he has, except for his health at this point. And I've always heard people say, man, Job worshiped God and and you think about that, how does a man worship God after he loses everything he has? But the text, I think it's chapter 1, verse 20 or 21, but it says that he shaved his head, he tore his clothes, and he fell on the ground, and then worshiped God. And so it's this idea of it wasn't all pretty. It wasn't like Job just worshiped God and there was no pain. It's like he's grieving at the same time that he's worshiping, and it's not like they're two distinct things. Um, and so it was cool to kind of see you can actually worship God in your grief. And then I also think just just even in chapter 3, the fact that he's having this deep lament where he's cursing the night of his conception and the day of his birth, which you're like, that just seems like an ungodly thing, like an unrighteous thing to go go to. But you see God affirm Job as a godly man before that chapter and at the very end. And so it's like, these are the honest laments of a godly man who genuinely loves God, but is just struggling with pain. And so I feel like that's been helpful just to see, like as a Christian, it's okay to struggle with pain. It's okay to suffer. And in that, we can still worship and love God. It's not unspiritual to go to dark places at times and to express that to God, honestly. So that's yeah. been huge for me. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Excellent. Um, I'm I'm ready to start attending on Wednesday nights now. To so we're adding you as a volunteer and learn. Let's do hey, it. You know, I'll do whatever. All right, I'll do whatever. Uh, one of the one of the other things that you're starting is you're not just teaching on Wednesday nights, but beginning this Sunday, actually, you're rolling out a, a, a new ministry of CSM. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about what that is. Yeah, it's called Discussions. It's a brand new ministry. It's going to be a, I don't want to use the word class. Um, it just feels like that's not it. It's unattractive to me. It's a context for middle and high school students to come and talk about really important and difficult topics and questions. Um, so for instance, uh, the first couple of months, we're just going to be talking through the Bible. So one week, we're going to say, hey, like, why is the Bible important? What makes it different than any other book? Um, another week, we'll say, who wrote the Bible? There's 66 books. We hear it's humanly written and divinely inspired. How does that work together? How was it put together? That'll be another week. Like, like was there just this council that came together and put it together? Or was there over hundreds of years of church history? Was it affirmed? How was the Bible actually put together? Why is the Gospel of Thomas not in there, and why is the Gospel of Matthew in there? Um, and so there's going to be a lot of different topics like that in the future. Maybe we'll talk about, hey, what's the origin of sin, or how do you defend your faith if people ask these questions, or what differentiates Christianity from other religions? And so, um, yeah, we have some really quality teachers, or leaders, I should say, who will be in there. Um, but this is going to be a great context for those middle and high school students to, to not just listen to someone teach, but to learn through discussion-based teaching where that leader teaches, but they, they're also facilitating discussion and teaching in that way. So Yeah, that's going to be exciting. That's taking place starting this Sunday during April which 11th. gathering? Yep, during the first gathering. 
So it'll be room 203 upstairs during the first gathering. And then the goal in this is not for this discussions, the context here, to replace the gathering of the church. So I want to be real clear that uh, if students are attending that, we really encourage them to gather with the church during the second gathering uh, because we don't want this to replace the gathering of the church. Right, right. And like Jordan said, that's going to be taking place starting this Sunday. It'll be upstairs in room 203. And that will take place during the 9 a.m. gathering. Also, this Sunday we've got coming up, we're going to be starting a brand new series called Intentional Neighboring. So uh, our, our vision to grow the family is, is twofold. We want to live the gospel with those inside of the family, and we want to bring the gospel to those outside of the family. And we have strategies by which we want to accomplish those things, and so... When it comes to living the gospel with those outside of the family, we have two strategies. One of those things is community alliances, and we've seen that manifest itself through uh, us being a foster church. and And I know many of us, many of you who are listening to this, have experienced being a part of some of those type of events. Well, another thing uh, that is one of our strategies under that area is intentional neighboring, and we're gonna ro- we're gonna roll out and introduce what that looks like starting this Sunday. It's going to be a three-week sermon series, and then it's going to be a three-week class where we get into some real practical things and how we can love our neighbors intentionally. So it's going to be a big deal and an important time together as a church. So um, Easter was Easter was big, and it was fun, and it just gets better from there. So Jordan, thanks for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate you being around and sharing your movie knowledge from the 90s with us. But not the Book of Job knowledge. I appreciate that okay. too. I appreciate that too. But uh, I'm just, I'm really glad that you did well in the movie quiz that I gave you. I appreciate so. that. Well, thanks for having me.